welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series 14 and episode 5 in which Jesus appears to his disciples, including Thomas. This episode is particularly about the disciple Thomas, whose story has become famous in the church and it's a fascinating story to discuss. The story is taken up in uh, John chapter 20 verses 24 to 31 and that will be the main text that we'll be looking at in this episode. Well we've seen the tremendous week, uh, events of Passion Week uh, as Jesus uh, spent the last week of his life on earth uh, in Jerusalem before his crucifixion which took place on Good Friday, the Friday of that week and we spent a lot of time looking very closely at the events that surrounded his arrest, his trial and his execution by crucifixion. And now in series 14 uh, we've been looking at all the amazing material that the Gospels give us uh, concerning the resurrection of Jesus. And up until this point, in the first four episodes, we've just been looking at the events that took place on Easter Sunday uh, itself, the day of the uh, uh, resurrection. And on that particular day, uh, we've noticed that there were five different separate uh, resurrection appearances of Jesus. It's an amazing story. In this episode, we'll be moving on from that day and look at subsequent events. But before we do that, let's just go back for a moment and remind ourselves of what happens on that Easter Sunday. Well, as we look at all the different Gospels, we know that just around the time of dawn, the stone was miraculously uh, taken away from the front of the tomb. There were angelic appearances um, and the women disciples who'd followed Jesus from Galilee and who'd witnessed the crucifixion and identified the location of the burial uh, on Good Friday, those women came to the tomb at the very earliest opportunity, bearing in mind on the Saturday, the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, uh, they were not allowed to move around freely uh, as it was a day of rest and they were subject to the laws of the Sabbath. So on the Sunday morning, at the very earliest opportunity, just as dawn was breaking, the women came to the tomb. And that, that triggered um, a whole series of events that happened uh, through that day that we've looked at in the last four episodes. The first two of those episodes featured the women themselves. First of all, in episode one, Mary Magdalene, one of that group who became separate from that group um, geographically for a brief time and during that period according to John's gospel Jesus appeared to Mary. She was the first witness of the resurrection. Then the other women gathered experienced the risen Jesus very shortly after that and that information spread to the other disciples and particularly to the remaining apostles uh, who were staying in Jerusalem. Then in episode three, following Luke's account, we saw two of the disciples, the wider group of disciples, one named Cleopas, 
uh, traveling from Jerusalem to the nearby village of Emmaus on the road, probably going back to their lodgings, talking together. And then Jesus appeared to them suddenly, supernaturally. They didn't realize what was happening. Somebody drew up alongside them as they were walking along the road. They got talking about the events that had taken place in Jerusalem. And Jesus mysteriously was able to explain the significance of these events to the disciples until such a point when they stopped and prepared to eat a meal. They suddenly realized they were talking to the risen Jesus. Then he disappeared from their sight, which provoked them to come back. Having traveled all the way out towards Emmaus, they now uh, walked all those kilometers back into the city. And that was the scene of our last episode when these two disciples met uh, the remaining apostles and some other disciples uh, in, a, in a, a house in the city of Jerusalem where they had a large room and they locked the door and they met together and they shared stories. And it turns out that Jesus had appeared to Simon Peter in the meantime separately. So we have Mary Magdalene, the women, Simon Peter, the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, four different appearances. And then in what we take to be the evening of, of uh, Easter Sunday, as they were gathered together in this house behind locked doors, Jesus appeared in the midst of them and that's what we discussed last time and he revealed himself to them physically showing them in many ways the physicality of the resurrection they were able to touch his hands his feet his side they they saw him eating fish they could hear him talking communicating recalling the past relating to them perfectly normally this was a resurrection appearance now that's event ended with Jesus commissioning them and preparing them for the fact that this these resurrection appearances were only um, at just the beginning of a process by which they were going to be commissioned to go and preach about Jesus not just Jesus who died but Jesus who'd risen again from the dead who they had experienced by their eyewitness account personally and so he began to commission them and tell them that the Holy Spirit was going to be given to them. Now this last episode we noticed that Luke gives um, a substantial account of it and we followed the account of Luke but I also mentioned and referred to the account given in John, John chapter 20 verse 19 to 23. John gives a brief account of that experience uh, as a parallel account. Now we're going to follow John's story because John points out to us something that the other gospel writers don't tell us. And it's a very important point. And that concerns the apostles. Now, we know that Jesus appointed 12 apostles. And we know now at this point in the story that one of them, Judas Iscariot, has not only betrayed Jesus, but he's actually committed suicide. So there are only... 11 apostles at this stage. They're called the 11 in some of the gospel accounts for that reason. But John points out that out of the 11, only 10 were present on that Easter Sunday evening experience 
in the house in Jerusalem when Jesus came to them from uh, the other side of, of a locked door and revealed himself to them and said, peace be with you. One of them was missing and his name was Thomas. And he is the focus of this particular episode. We find out in this episode, as we'll read in a moment, that it was a week later that the apostles or the discipleship group, uh, just the apostles on this occasion, were gathered together again uh, in this room, in this house in Jerusalem. And Jesus appears to them a second time. What we don't know is what happened during that week. We have no direct information about that. They've had these resurrection appearances on Easter Sunday, but still they are behind closed doors as a group of disciples and apostles. They're in conversation. They're in prayer. They're in reflection. They're wondering what's going to happen next. They've been told there's going to be the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we saw uh, in Luke's account towards the end of episode four, that they were to wait in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit uh, came on them and then they could start preaching. So in these last seven days between episode four and episode five, which we're going to look at now, there's been a quiet time of reflection and prayer and discussion and waiting as far as we can tell. No other major event is recorded until now. And so we're going to read John 20 verses 24 to 29, which is our main text. And then we're going to look at the conclusion in verses 30 and 31 just a little bit later. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. Now, poor old Thomas was in a very difficult position. The enthusiasm of all the other apostles was overwhelming. 
They'd been on the road together for these three years. And now finally they'd come to understand how the message held together because they'd actually experienced the resurrection of Jesus on that Easter Sunday evening. But Thomas wasn't there. And they just kept saying to him, we've seen the Lord. It's true. He's been raised from the dead. But Thomas was not easily convinced. He said he needed his own resurrection experience. He wanted the physical evidence. Again, this is very interesting. Time and again, all the way through these accounts, we understand the resurrection is a physical event. It's impossible for us to emphasize that point enough. Jesus' resurrection is with a physical body like yours and like mine, recognizable as the Jesus who um, ministered for three years before he was executed, but with supernatural powers and dimensions added. And so they gathered together a week later. Thomas had already said that he needed to see the nail marks uh, in his hands and he wanted to see Jesus's side which had been cut uh, by the, the sword of the Roman soldier. He wanted to see the physical imprints of crucifixion that the others had told him about. They said well we've seen these physical imprints, we've seen his hands. We've seen his side, we've seen his feet, we can see the nail marks, we can see the mark of the sword in his side. And for Thomas he said, well actually I need that same experience. I can't share your confidence just on secondhand evidence. He was doubting. And into the English language has come a common expression, doubting Thomas. Well, I think we should be sympathetic with Thomas because he was in a very awkward position. Everyone else had experienced something which he hadn't experienced. Have you ever been in that position in life? People are enthusing about something, but you were the only person not present. It's awkward. It's difficult. And Thomas felt that awkwardness. But then, incredibly, Jesus returned to the same place amongst the same people a week later, and he entered in the same manner. The doors were locked, again, indicating they were still in private discussion, quite fearful. And Jesus miraculously appeared to them without having to come through the locked door. This is exactly what had happened the previous week. And then he said exactly the same words, peace be with you. A parallel experience is taking place and the other 10 of the apostles will immediately recognise what's going on and be thrilled that Jesus is appearing to them again. But the focus is not on them. The focus is on Thomas and Jesus's focus is on Thomas. We don't know why Thomas failed to be in that room at that particular time, there are any number of possible legitimate reasons why he was uh, not present a week earlier. Maybe for family reasons, for practical reasons. But the simple truth is he hadn't been there. Now he was there. And when Jesus came, he focused his attention not on the rest, but on Thomas as an individual. 
who was going to be one of his apostles sent out into the world to preach the gospel. And interestingly, Thomas is associated with preaching the gospel east of Israel, into the Middle East, and into even the Indian subcontinent, where churches have been named after Thomas in honour of the early church story that Thomas reached as far as India to preach the gospel. We don't know whether that's strictly true or not, but the number of stories that indicating Thomas travelled far to the east of Israel to pioneer the gospel um, must have some fundamental element of truth in them. And when we think of that and when we think of this moment of fundamental doubt, then we realise what a great miracle was taking place here because this man was going to be changed forever by what happens in that moment, in that locked room, as he was gathered together and Jesus said to him, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. And as Thomas saw Jesus and heard him say these words, it doesn't even tell us here that he had to touch Jesus's body in those particular places where the wounds were. It doesn't even tell us whether that happened or not. Jesus, uh, Thomas's response was immediate. He said to him, my Lord and my God, an indication of absolute conviction that his doubts were mistaken and that he should put his trust in Jesus and that Jesus really has risen from the dead. It's an incredible turnaround. Thomas doesn't hesitate when he sees Jesus and when he probably actually touches Jesus' hands and feet inside. My Lord and my God. And Jesus says these wonderful words, and these are an encouragement to you and me. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That same faith that Thomas had is possible for people who don't experience Jesus. Uh, uh, in his resurrection of whom there are millions because almost every single follower of Jesus from that time to this did not have this experience by definition and that includes you and me but Jesus said blessed are those who never actually saw his resurrection and yet have believed that's a blessing on you if you are a believer John concludes this section with a wonderful final statement about his wider purpose. Verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What a wonderful statement. John generally calls miracles signs. And as we've stated earlier on in our studies, when looking at John's gospel, we've noticed that he has selected only seven major miracles to tell us about. When Jesus turned the water into wine 
at Cana, the healing of the royal official's son, the feeding of the 5,000 walking on water, the healing of the blind man in Jerusalem, the healing of the cripple at the pool of Bethesda, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. These are described by John as signs. And he has not recorded the many other miracles that Jesus performed. And of course, some of those are recorded in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And John deliberately doesn't uh, repeat those uh, records. But his purpose in recording miracles is to help us believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He does record for us, of course, the resurrection. And these accounts of the resurrection help us on that journey. He wants to enable us to have faith in Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God. Now notice the Messiah and the Son of God, not just a prophet, not just a good moral teacher, not just a healer. John along with all the other gospel writers, presents Jesus as so much more than a teacher and a healer and a prophet. He is actually the Son of God, the Messiah. Let's now reflect on what we've learned in this passage. First of all, I want to just comment again on the resurrection appearances and how the story is building up as we are going along. We've identified the uh, five appearances that took place on Easter Sunday, as I mentioned earlier on, the appearance to Mary Magdalene, uh, to the women, the other women near the tomb, um, to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, to Simon Peter on his own, in circumstances we don't know, and to the disciples in the house uh, with a locked room in Jerusalem. And in this episode, we've added a sixth resurrection appearance. So this is the sixth out of ten. And this is to the disciples and to Thomas in particular, who was not present on any of the resurrection appearances on Easter Sunday. This passage, secondarily, also affirms the physicality of the resurrection yet again. It's a theme that I've emphasised uh, continually through series 14. There's so many physical elements here, which remind us we're not talking about a ghost or a hallucination, something in the religious imagination. We're talking about the appearance of a person with a human body like yours or mine. Touching parts of that body, seeing wounds, the remnants of wounds of something physical that happened uh, before they died or as they died is an indication of the continuity. This is the same person. This is the same uh, Jesus in his resurrection body, communicating with them, but also demonstrating miraculous power. Another reflection from this passage is the significance of doubt. Thomas doubted. 
And doubt is a religious doubt is a reality that we should face up to and acknowledge and not be ashamed of when it takes place. We can identify with Thomas because we sometimes are open to doubting the truth of the Christian faith. Maybe you've been through that experience yourself, in which case this story and this event is really for you. We identify with Thomas. But overcoming doubt is important and it can be done. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He was quite clear that there was plenty of evidence for those who didn't have a physical encounter with Jesus or his resurrection. There's plenty of evidence. And the evidence we have that we can put our trust in is the evidence of the Bible in general, the evidence of the Gospels in particular, the full story that's told in the Gospels that we're going through, the testimony of other Christians about the power of Christ in their life, and the work of the Holy Spirit within us, God's Holy Spirit within us, gives us a sense of confidence and certainty that we can put our trust in these evidences. And Jesus is encouraging us here to do that, say we will be blessed if we believe in him, even though we never saw him physically. Thomas's affirmation is important. Verse 28, my Lord and my God. He's acknowledging the authority of Jesus over his life. It's not just an intellectual proposition that, oh yes, the resurrection is true. No, the fact that the resurrection took place uh, means that Thomas will give his life to follow Jesus. And that's the significance of what faith means to us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I wonder if some of you feel that you have been in your life, or even at this moment, a doubting Thomas. Maybe you've identified yourself with that name. Maybe other people have said that of you. Well, what this story tells us is that doubt is a reality. Jesus does not criticise Thomas because of his doubt, but he reveals himself more fully to him so that he can be confident to put his full trust in Jesus. And that's what God wants to do for you and me. As you finish this episode today, you can pray a prayer asking God to reveal himself more fully to you if there are doubts in your mind about the fundamental truth of Christianity. Read this passage again at the end of the episode and pray a prayer asking God to send his Holy Spirit to reveal more truth to you and to give you greater confidence of the faith. And I hope you'll join us for the next episode as well as we continue uh, to the final resurrection appearances of Jesus. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.